Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com postgame show after a 56-10 Michigan victory. That was the J.J. McCarthy show on Saturday night into Sunday morning, actually. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, I am here, as I will be every week after the game, with former Michigan defensive end uh, Ryan Van Bergen. Real quick before we get started, again, I want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, Be sure to leave a like on the video below. Subscribe to the channel uh, so you get alerts for when we go live and all those types of things. Uh, Also want to shout out uh, our great sponsor over at Lewis Jewelers. Uh, Lewis Jewelers has been a longtime sponsor of the Wolverine. Uh, They have been with us for I don't have the years in, uh, in front of me here, but uh, always, always great to have them on board. Uh, Keith at Lewis Jewelers is great. We love working with them. Uh, Lewis Jewelers, the only jeweler who is the proud sponsor of Michigan Athletics and where Ann Arbor gets engaged. All right. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's a pretty obvious starting point here, right? I mean, it, it is the it is the J.J. McCarthy show. J.J. McCarthy gets to start for Michigan at quarterback. Jim Harbaugh just right before we went to air names him the starter for week three, likely much longer than that. JJ McCarthy, 11 for 12, 229 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the only incompletion on the night was a drop by Ronnie Bell. We won't see many of those this year. Uh, one rush for 16 yards, 42 points put up by the offense in the first half. Uh, Ryan, hot take. The quarterback, debate, I believe, has come to an emphatic close. I would agree. I think that it was going to be opened up for J.J. McCarthy to make some downfield passes this game. And uh, I think if you're Coach Harbaugh and the Michigan coaching staff, you get to sit back comfortably. And if he hits 11 of 12 and makes some downfield balls uh, and throw some balls well downfield, excuse me. But if he can do those things, then it's easy to name him the starter and justify benching uh, McNamara, uh, returning Big Ten championship quarterback. It's just so hard to justify that, and it's a blessed position to be in. But I think McCarthy has developed. He's gotten just better and smarter, and he's just has a new dynamic that uh, adds to the mix of the Michigan offense. So uh, it's just too hard to justify sitting McCarthy. And it's just a tough pill to swallow because McNamara has done such a good job. But I do think it's going to be the McCarthy show until he loses it or if he loses it. Right. And this is going to be a situation, too, where, like I said, uh, it was it was a bummer to me. To I mean, there were again, it wasn't a large portion of people, but there were some Cade McNamara boo birds out at the big house uh, on Saturday night. Not going to go too much in depth on that other than to say that's shameful. I think anyone who did that should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, that guy was instrumental in last year's team. Here's the thing, though. With what this team lost from last year, with the expectations of let's not just win the Big Ten again, let's get back to the playoff and push this thing further. Your quarterback has to evolve with your program. And it, it has been clear from Jump Street this season, and honestly, probably a little bit last year, where 
Number nine just brings a different dynamic to the field. The arm talent is apparent. That was fully on display on Saturday night. The dual threat ability, which we didn't see a ton of, which I thought we might, but uh, this was a showcase for him to show what he could do. And the objective of this quarterback situation was to leave no doubt moving forward. It could have gone into week three. It could have gone into week four, week five. To me, uh, one guy... I don't want to, I hate to say it this way, but one guy folded under that pressure and the other has done nothing but thrive. And I get that it's just Colorado state and it's just Hawaii, but that what we've seen from JJ McCarthy the last two weeks is what it is supposed to look like. I think so. And I also think that this was an opportunity for him to show that he can do what Cade does uh, as well as add the little flavor that he can add. But he made a lot of in-pocket throws where he was just standing up tall, in rhythm, uh, good timing, and throwing so his guys could make plays after they make the catch. And I think McNamara does a fantastic job of that. So he can do what McNamara does and then some. And that's why I think you justify McCarthy being starting quarterback moving forward as much as you may like and appreciate what McNamara has done. And I will piggyback because I've been a guy on the field during Boo Birds and uh, McNamara, as if anyone's not deserving of it, that's gotten Boo Birds, it's McNamara coming back from a Big Ten championship. So uh, I, I commend you for calling them out because let's let's be accountable and let's be better. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm not going to pontificate too much on this because <laughs> the story of tonight is is JJ McCarthy. Like I said, I mean, there's not a guy like anyone outside of Aiden Hutchinson. Hassan Haskins, I, I mean, Cade McNamara was every bit as important to that last year's team. It was exactly what they needed at the time. Now they need more. The other guy looks like he can do more. And it's never been about the arm talent. We know that JJ can throw down the field. We know that he can run the football. It's about he was going to be he was going to take this job over once you do reach that level and start to do the little things well. Um, you know, like I said, last week was supposed to be when I came on here. I said. Last week, if he was going to have a claim to this job, he had to make it difficult on the coaches, and he didn't. I mean, it's on film. It's in the box score. What you did last year is irrelevant once once it hits January 1 this year, and, and you commend the guy for all he did. But what we saw on Saturday was, again, I know it's Hawaii. That was, that was a glorified seven-on-seven. Seven. But when I, I – I mean, it was apparent throughout the night, but there was – I believe it was the post route to Cornelius Johnson – right on the money, right where it needed to be. And then you fire one into Ronnie Bell for a touchdown the next play. Everything that happened before that was impressive. Those were the two plays where you go, I, I don't know if there's a justification for not starting this guy moving forward. I agree. I also think there's something to be said, and I feel bad being the martyr on the situation, but uh, McNamara game one, if you were to do – a play-by-play of the first 30 to 40 plays he may have gotten. The amount of times he had receivers in route past the sticks, I mean, under 10%. Like, people thought he was throwing check downs. That's just where his receivers were, you know. I think strategically, if you're the Michigan coaching staff, you gave McNamara the V4 front-wheel drive vehicle as an offensive play calling. And then with McCarthy, you gave him the keys to the Corvette and said, if you crash it, you're done. McCarthy didn't crash it. McCarthy went out there and he spun that Corvette and made it look beautiful. And uh, that's what they now can hang their hat on and say, like, if this guy can run the offense this efficiently, he's our guy. And us as a Michigan fan base have to go, all right, sounds good. Yep. Uh, I want to address this from Theodore Frazier. Uh, he says, Cade doesn't deserve to be booed. However, we can't keep a superior talent on the bench because of past accomplishments. We have to look towards the future. I think that sort of hits on the, the earlier point uh, about having to evolve uh, with the program. Again, nothing that Cade McNamara has done over these first two weeks takes away from what happened last year. The guy is, as he said before, a Big Ten championship winning quarterback. But I think we've always gone into this with the knowledge that when J.J. McCarthy is ready to be on the field, he's going to be too good to keep off the field. He was to a certain extent last year when you had these packages for him. And this is really... I mean, when you really sit back and think about it, I know that he's had a few game, he had a few, you know, garbage time drives last year where, you know, he lets it rip down the field for long touchdowns. This is really the first time where 
you gave that guy a chance to open it up and get some extended game action throwing the football. And I mean, it's he is he is every as advertised and then some. I saw a report that he high fived every player on the team before the game. Uh, when we spoke to him in a media setting earlier this week, he was every bit the part. I mean, he he's the complete package. And like I said, uh, with the Big Ten being as Again, I, I think this is even a little less wide open than it was last year. I think it does come down to Michigan and Ohio State again. This is this is a potential super weapon that can take you to the next level. But you know, we can t- keep taking questions on JJ, comments on JJ. I mean, any other com or takeaways from you on his performance before we kind of move into some of the other takeaways? I mean, it was it was exactly what Harbaugh said it was. It was really flawless because of the one drop. I mean, he did everything he was supposed to do and then some. Uh, he's special. Uh, he might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten if he gets a full season and opportunity to start. And that's saying a lot considering C.J. Stroud was at the Heisman ceremony last year. And there's other good quarterbacks in the Big Ten, but he is a special talent. And the thing that I think everybody has been worried about, including the Michigan coaching staff, is is he going to be safe with the ball? Because it's just an overlooked quality that McNamara brings is how conservative and safe he can be at times that protects the ball. But I think the nail in the coffin and when Harbaugh decided he's going to announce it tonight that McCarthy's moving forward was McNamara's throw that ended in a interception turnover. I think that was unfortunately the nail in the coffin as far as it's going to be the McCarthy show until he shows any flaws or weaknesses. And I am on board. Uh, It's just, it's tough. Benching has a negative stigma. You get benched, it's bad, but McNamara is a very good quarterback uh, deserving of playing some high-level football, but McCarthy's special, and he does. He needs to see the field. I'm with you there. Uh, like I said, Cade McNamara. You know, it was a little. Some of the the usage of him was a little odd because he comes in and and I think his first couple drives were with the second and third team offensive line. He got killed on the one drive that was the starting O line. Uh, CJ Stokes dropped the ball. He just again. Um, I, I do feel bad for the guy, but it's it's all about. This year, Jim Harbaugh said last year that uh, the quarterback position at best is least. No one has a claim to it. It comes out through competition. So, uh, well, let's move into – I want to actually talk about the opponent for a second and this non-conference schedule because it's not something that I got to address with you last week. You played a handful of non-conference games when, when you were in the maize and blue. Have you ever seen – I hesitate to say soft because it's disrespectful to the opponent, but – have you ever seen a non-conference schedule? Because you're going to play a UConn team next week that lost 48-14 to Syracuse this week. Have you ever seen three consecutive games to start a season where like, it's it looks dominant and it looks the way it's supposed to look, but there are a lot of things that we might not know about this football team yet. Would you like to see them maybe be a little more tested? I believe so, especially with the 12-team playoff coming. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Um But with the current format, I see a benefit to what the schedule is now. Uh, But I, when I played, personally, when I played, we always had a benchmark game, Uh, whether that was Notre Dame was usually, you know, then was scheduled every year. Um, But you kind of want that benchmark game to either, I mean, it's going to humble you either way, but uh, either, you know, be your first loss and then, rallies the troops gets the team ready before big 10 or you you know you win one that's against a ranked opponent and you feel like all right i'm we're we're on the right track but either way a benchmark game early is helpful and to not have one is a concern i mean iowa looked terrible uh again today so i mean michigan penn state hasn't looked great they beat ohio but that's just a regular Ohio, so who cares? Uh, so, but uh, it's we're not going to get tested till the end of October, you know. And I was on a Rich Rod team that I think went five and zero and went six and zero, and then we get in the Big Ten and we haven't been che- been tested, and then it becomes an issue. But um, the one thing I think Michigan's doing a great job of is making the most out of these early games that are not necessarily so competitive. Uh, still taking shots downfield, not just running the clock out, repping guys in. So many freshmen are playing on national. That's national exposure for recruits. So as much as you can do with the schedule right now, that wouldn't be the best, you know, when it comes to strength of schedule in the first half of the season. I think Michigan's orchestrating it and maneuvering through it the best way that you can. 
And um, would I prefer to see a test? Yes. I'd prefer to see a test more when there's a 12-team playoff versus right now. Well, let me ask you about Hawaii because this is a team that I believe, if reports are accurate, was being paid $1.9 million in guarantees to come play this game. Um, I think they knew the state of the state that that program is in. They had a lot of guys transfer out. They had a coaching change, just a program kind of coming off complete disarray. I, there were whispers in the press box that was, there was a handshake deal about calling off the dogs after halftime and the play on the field sort of pointed to that, but I, I guess just in general, I mean, what, what can you learn? What do you learn from it, from a game like this? Is it only if it looks poor that there's something to take away from it? Cause I mean, they executed about as well as one could in just about every area while, you know, the starters were still in the game. So what do you learn about a team in a game like this? Is it more just conditioning and, and game reps and, and live bullets, or is there anything else to take away from it? I think the top that comes to my head right away is discipline. Uh, when you get new guys in their new bodies rotating and playing, are there starting to be penalties that incur? Are you starting to, starting to see breakdowns? Are there you know, missed assignments, misalignments, things that can occur easily, especially after you get past the first string, second string, mixing in third guys, freshmen. And for the most part, it seems like we, you know, are dialed in. Uh, I feel like everybody's got a good knowledge considering we have a first year defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators are working together new. And there, there could be a lot of confusion. There could be a lot of let's iron out the wrinkles and provided, yeah, our competition's not that great. But you would see, like, discombobulation, miscommunications that would show up uh, regardless of who the opponent was. So, uh, to me, those are things that are good takeaways that this team are, is on the right track and hopefully, when met with good competition, is going to be able to execute in the same way that they are now. Yeah, it's – it's all about how it looks in games like this. Is it clean? I mean, it was a cleanly played game for Michigan. Only three penalties on the night. I think a couple of them were later in the game. Uh, again, it just everything looked, especially when the starters were out there, the starting offense. I think the the only time they punted, I'll go back and check the drive chart here. The only time they punted when JJ was in the game was when they started at their own eight-yard line. Uh, other than that, it was touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, those were... Uh, okay, there were two punts in the first half. My bad. Brad Robbins did get a little bit of work tonight. Uh, but again, yeah, you, you did what you're supposed to do. I think, you know, the overarching thing is, uh, you know, from a J.J. McCarthy perspective, he was going to be held to the same standard that Cade was where, hey, you come out, you get the start. It has to look sharp. It has to look crisp if you want to have a claim to this job. And um, it was flawless. Uh, there's no other way to describe how that went down. So uh, I want to talk a little bit before we get into questions and things like that. Uh, I want to talk about the big 10 through two weeks. I mean, uh, the big 10 West, I think is a nightmare right now. I don't know how many games of, of big 10 football you watched. I know you were at Michigan last week on the field, but does this right now look, I mean, are there questions about Ohio state with what Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame loses it uh, to Tulane today. So questions about Ohio state potentially, but it's still, to me, it feels like a a two horse race right now. Is that, is that how you would read it as well? Uh, Michigan state seems dangerous uh, Mm. as far as on our side. Um, I think Michigan state's a good team. I know they haven't played a ton of competition, but I just feel this feeling that, because I thought, Oh, wow. You know, Ohio state, Michigan looked like top two. It's pretty clear. And then, Michigan State comes and pitches a 50-point victory shutout, you know, versus Akron, which, you know, max school, whatever. But any shutout is significant. And uh, I think Michigan State's going to be a good team. Wisconsin getting beat today, shocker. Iowa, not as much. Um, But, yeah, I mean, hopefully the addition of USC and UCLA, whenever that happens, I don't know, they – Last year, it was very clear the top four teams in the Big Ten were all on the same side of the division. This year, I think the top three teams, very, very early impression, is they're all on the same side of the division. And that's not the best way to represent the Big Ten. So I hope that something can be figured out. But, yeah, they're, they're a mess on their side. And Ohio State, I think, might not be 
operating on all eight cylinders yet, but that's how I, uh, they are. I mean, last year, same thing, lose to Oregon week two and right. they'll get it figured out. They got, they got the talent, they got the coaching staff, but uh, they might not be, uh, they might not be number two, number three, whatever they're ranked right now. They may not be that in the country, but it doesn't matter rankings right now. So yeah, it's, it's week two, a lot of football still to be played. Uh, Hutch, let's go to a question if we can. Uh, we got one here from uh, Matt McLean. If we can bring that one up. I'll start it while Hutch brings it up. Uh, Matt McLean asks, hey, guys, did you know that JJ is going to be the starter now? Just in case no one said that yet, I'm sure it won't be a topic of discussion anymore ever. Uh, yeah, JJ, for those that have just are just joining in on the show, watching live on YouTube, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, JJ is going to start week three. They're playing UConn. I assume it's going to look a heck of a lot the way like it did today. So yeah, we've sort of, sort of have discussed that here. I think it's the right decision. It is what needs to happen moving forward. I think he left little doubt that that should be the case moving forward. Uh, let's go to one from Richard also Brooks here who asked Anthony, what time will you get to bed tonight? I mean, right now it's, it's looking like I won't even get out of this press box in, until at least two o'clock. So we'll see. I, I can see this being a four, four thirty AM type of night and get five, six hours of sleep and recharge to write and take in some NFL football tomorrow. So I'll go back to Matt McLean who says, how do you think they'll, they will utilize the running backs, three usable backs for one spot at a given moment. How do coaches split that usage? Uh, Ryan, I'll let you lead that one off. What do you see from the running backs so far? What I see is Blake Quorum's a clear number one, especially from what I've seen, the like first down, second down runs. Donovan Edwards can do all the things Blake Quorum does, but I think Blake Quorum just has that fifth year to, to break something open. Um, I think Donovan Edwards might be more favorable in pass matchups. So you might see him more in third downs, third longs to see, get receptions. And then CJ, last name's escaping me, but uh, track guy. That, yes, sorry. Yep. CJ Stokes. Uh, haven't seen too much of him besides what I saw today. Uh, and I just feel like he's a guy that looking to break out. I, I mean, it's awesome to be reloaded, but Hassan Askins has been replaced by Blake Corum. Lake Coram's role is now Donovan Edwards' role, and I feel like uh, C.J. Stokes is now where Donovan Edwards was. But uh, to have three running backs, then you know Mike Hart, I know Mike Hart. Uh, he's going to get the best out of those guys. So our running back room, the talent's great, and then I think what we're going to get out of that talent is just even better. So it's going to make any quarterback look a lot better. How about Isaiah Gash with a big run for a touchdown yep. at the end of the game? That might be a guy who, in a pinch, you can turn to, at least for some short yardage stuff. Uh, yeah, the thing about the running backs, too, uh, sticking with that just for a second, the run game in general, that's the other value of J.J. McCarthy because the second that that guy steps on the field, it does cause everyone else to think, especially if they're running out of the option or especially you know the RPO stuff we saw tonight, uh, a couple reps they worked out of that. I mean – uh, you saw it in the game last week where CJ Stokes rips off a run that is a direct result of a linebacker crashing down on JJ. And then the opposite happens on a play uh, on the next play and JJ runs it in for a touchdown. So, you know, they don't, I don't know that they have a, you know, third, they used to call it third and H two or fourth and H two, where in those short yardage situations, they were going to give it to Hassan Haskins and he's going to be money there. I think it's going to look a little bit different, uh, but when you have, you know, imagine like I think eventually when they start to, you know, spill the the beans on what this offense could look like under JJ, you'll have some looks where both of those backs, Edwards and Corum, are back there with McCarthy, and maybe you get a little bit of a triple action, uh, triple option look. And you know, again, it's all about uh, chess pieces and, and having options. And and I think that just the threat of J what JJ McCarthy does is like a complete package. Uh, has the ability to sort of the run game will look different than last year. Won't be quite as smash, smash mouth, though. I still think that both those backs are capable. Really, all three of those backs are capable of getting you a tough yard. But I think by necessity, it does transform a little bit based on the skill set that you have. Uh, so we'll go to another question here. Whatever Hutch uh, surprises us with. Uh, from Theodore Frazier, he says, JJ did something today I haven't seen in a while. Uh, he went through the route tree 
and progressions first, second, third read read option was uh, read option was also great in the first half. I'm paraphrasing that there. Uh, you know, he didn't really, you know, he did go through his progressions. There's a couple through, I mean, the touchdown to Roman Wilson, he didn't, I mean, he's, he had the guy beat so badly off the snap. Uh, I think in two strides, he had already sort of blown by the defensive back. And by the time he was open towards the end zone, there wasn't a guy within 10 yards of him. Uh, again, some of that's adjusted for the opponent. Some of that's adjusted for, I think that Roman Wilson to me through two games looks like a much improved player. Uh, but Hey, when your talent's better than the other team's talent, sometimes you don't have to make the second and third read. So that was good to see, but uh, just the total package in terms of, I guess the between the ears portion of JJ's game, what, what were some takeaways that you had from that Ryan? I think he made a lot of good reads and some of them were first reads, some of them were second reads, but I thought that one of the things he did really well was making sure that he never put a ball at risk for defenders to get their hands on it. Uh, all his balls were thrown to our receivers, plays where our guys could make a throw or make a catch. There were some tight windows and there were some things that concerned me there because I think you get to some higher talent level than the linebackers and safeties from Hawaii. Maybe they're able to make a better play on the ball, but uh, there's a lot of what ifs and they didn't happen. So I'm not going to judge them off what ifs. So uh, I thought he made a lot of good throws, a lot of good in rhythm throws that were accurate and away from defenders. And uh, there's only so much you can say. He played as well as you can play against a team that pretty much anybody would look good against. So not to take away from what he did, but it's just Hawaii's in a, a program in turmoil. So if he didn't look great, it'd be a problem. Yeah, we have to call a spade to spade there. I mean, this is a Hawaii team that lost 63 to 10 to Vanderbilt, who will probably be one of the two or three worst, probably worst team in the SEC. Uh, Western Kentucky blew them out. Michigan, honestly, like it actually sort of evened out a little, not evened out, but uh, once Michigan's third and fourth string guys, really fifth string guys, I think they played close to 100 players tonight, got in there. Hawaii was able to drive up and down the field a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a bad team. But you, they did what they're supposed to do against a team like that. I actually thought that they would have uh, a few more turnovers. I predicted that they'd have four turnovers tonight uh, because Hawaii had been so loose with the football, but uh, Michigan was only the only team with a turnover, and that was on Cade McNamara's interception. So I guess sort of credit to Hawaii for be- playing as clean a game as you can in a situation like that. But uh, I want to talk about real quick, and we'll go to some other questions here. But Hutch, if you could bring the schedule up for me, uh, cue that up real quick. I want to talk about when this team, you know, sometimes you know, it's less about being like, when, when will this team face a little bit of adversity? Uh, obviously, next week against UConn, I do think that UConn will probably be a little more competitive uh, than these first two opponents, just because I think they're probably, I mean, Jay Norvell's a good coach, but I think Jim Moore is a guy who has been in the NFL uh Maybe a little more resistance there, but you know, you look up and down the schedule. You got UConn, you've got Maryland too. You know, that's a team that has taken care of their business in non-conference right now. But uh, like, that's it. when when Big Ten play starts is when that team usually crumbles, and that's a home game. Doesn't they don't play a lot of good defense either? So again, I don't know if that. I mean, I at Iowa, that looks a lot less daunting unless it's a night game because weird stuff happens. Weird stuff happens there anyways when you go on the road. So going to face some probably physical adversity at Iowa, but other than that, that game doesn't look as difficult as it did. Indiana looks like one of the you know two or three worst teams in the Big Ten. It's really, you know, you don't want to say they won't be tested because the Rutgers game happened last year where a game kind of comes out of nowhere and gives you some trouble, but it's almost, you know, it's almost like that first big test comes in a pecking order game against Penn State on October 15th. Just, I guess, thoughts on the next five weeks. After that, you'll go into a bye and play Michigan State. So thoughts on what's ahead, and, and do you see much resistance coming? I, I don't see a ton of resistance coming, but I do think Maryland is a improved team. I don't know if they're improved enough to provide a challenge for the Michigan team that we're, we're looking at. Uh, Iowa, Iowa just looks struggling. And I, I thought they might look different from the big 10 championship, but they have the same offensive woes that they've had. Uh, defensively, they seem solid. 
but I don't think they've really been challenged that much against talent uh, that they had to defend. So um, as dangerous as Kinnick can be in uh, Iowa City, I'm fairly confident this would be the most this would be the most confident that I would be about going in there and getting a win. Um, and then Penn State, uh, we'll see what they're about, but uh, them playing Purdue as tight as they did week one was a little bit surprising. So there's not a ton of obvious challenge on the schedule, but still, anytime you're in the Big Ten and you need to go 10, well, Big Ten schedule, eight, nine wins, and to be there and control your own destiny at the end, you got to stay focused. you got to get better every week. And if McCarthy's taking over the offense, that's going to be some growing. Defense is still in its first year under the D coordinator, Jesse Minner. So a lot of improvement. It's just going to be hard to quantify it because the opponent and quality of opponent may not be that good. But let's beat the inferior opponents the way that should happen then. There's other teams do this all the time. So underrated storyline just projecting ahead do you get too hot and then have a bye week and have to come out of it to play michigan state i mean that's something that uh michigan state i mean they've they've got that game circled i think every bit as they did the ohio state game last year so but again we'll see what happens a lot of football to be played still uh if you think you're better than these teams just steamroll them and go on the warpath so to speak so yeah right now it's uh again there are a lot of teams in the rankings to start the year, like Notre Dame, Clemson, Texas A&M, that have proven to be, at least to my eyeballs, fraudulent. But I don't know that I've seen two teams better than Michigan play through two weeks. I don't know that I've seen – I mean, outside of Georgia, I think you could really make an argument that Michigan might be right now. There's a lot of football to play, but they look as ready as anyone to kind of go on a run this year. So uh, I think here's what we're going to – we're at about a half hour here. So what we're going to do is – we have seven questions in the queue. Hutch, let's clean those out and see where we're at. Um, I think that might be kind of it for us, being that it's a late night game. So, again, we appreciate everyone for sticking around. Uh, we're going to go to some questions now to kind of close things out, maybe queue up expectations for next week. But, uh, yeah, I think that your eyeballs did not deceive you tonight. This was every bit the game that you thought it would be. Uh, Michigan wins 56-10 over Hawaii. Uh, this is from D Brown who asks, is Donovan Edwards okay? I don't like how he ran the ball on that touchdown after that tough catch. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, didn't didn't really see him. I don't, I don't know if he was on the sideline in the second half. Again, a lot of things going on when we're covering the games live. But, you know, if there is that, – that would be a bit of a concern. I mean, if he is banged up at all, there is no reason to play him next week. I think it, it would be a positive to get C.J. Stokes some more run, a positive to get, you know, Tavier Dunlap and – Isaiah Gash and whoever else comes in there, some more run. But yeah, uh, no updates at present. Again, I wasn't downstairs at the press conference. You know, we were getting ready for the show here, but we will have it when we have an update to pass along. We will do that. So uh, we can go to the next question here, Hutch from Jeremy. Uh, do you believe the talk about Caden Fallcamp about the ball never dropping was true after the spring game and in the first two games? It's hard to believe he was the better player in camp. So, Ryan, I want to, I want, to start this one with you, because from a quarterback perspective, I mean, when you guys were in camp, you weren't you weren't exactly live with the QBs. You weren't thumping the Q- QBs. There was, um, you know, there's a lot of seven in, on seven work that they do and things like that. But what is the difference between a fall camp and the reps that those guys get compared to, you know, what game weeks look like and and the live bullets in the game? Is it is there's just there's just more pressure that comes with the lights being on at Michigan stadium or, you know, what do you, that, that was the talk that Cade had his best camp and that the ball didn't touch the ground a lot. There weren't a lot of turnover turnovers. So what's the disconnect there? I think a big part of it's the red Jersey uh, in camp and in spring ball, you're, you have this knowledge as a quarterback that you're not going to get touched. And, you know, it's, obviously for the safety and benefit of the quarterback, but in the game, you don't have a red Jersey. So you're going to get hit. There's people trying to take your head off. And I think it definitely didn't help him today that one of the first times he drops back to pass, he gets planted. And then I think the next time he drops back to pass, he's got someone in his lap 
and these are not significant game reps. I mean, he's trying to win a starting job that was his before today, but he doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want to, you know, be out for the season. So he's trying to save his body and also make the throws that are necessary. And he's frustrated because we're not protecting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not apples to apples when you see how an inefficient offense operates practice versus game. And I also think that any card that could have been dealt to McNamara today that was not in his favor was dealt to him. So uh, tough break, but I want, yeah, I want the goes. record. I want the record to show too that drive where he was, uh, where he did take a sack. I mean, Ryan Hayes, that's a fifth year guy who gets beat. Uh, Trente Jones, your starting right tackle gets beat. And Zach Zinter, a guy who a lot of people will tell you is this team's best offensive lineman, got beat three plays in a row. And there was a drop. And, you know, I, I don't – and to put the conspiracy – like, I don't think those guys weren't blocking for Cade. Like, that's not how this works. Um, it looked a lot of ways like it did in week one. I thought they were kind of iffy last week when he was in the game as well. Um, again, just – I mean, I, I think it's just a it, – it's more poor timing than anyways or than anything else. I don't think that that's, I don't think that anyone's olaying to get Cade hurt. I mean, there's the way that JJ runs, he takes a hit and, and he could be a little reckless with his slides. If he takes a hit, that guy's going to play this year. And he still might, I still, I'll make this proclamation right here, right now. Cade McNamara is going to factor into a, an important game this year by necessity. It's just over the course of a season, that's sometimes that's just how it plays out. So again, the boo birds, the uh, some of the the crap that he's taken. Uh, listen, it can start and end with the fact that he's just the other guy's better. That's that's all that needs to be said. The other guy is better right now. The other guy looks better suited to lead moving forward. Uh, we don't need the other crap. It is crap, extracurricular stuff, whatever. So, uh, Hutch, we can go to the next one here. Another Cade question from uh, Kareem Alley says, do you think Cade will hit around, hang around or, and, or hit the portal? All I'll say about it. And, and I think that Ryan's word will mean, will mean more. I mean, the long and short of it from my perspective is that Cade McNamara was voted a captain of this football team. And would I blame him for looking around? I mean, he can't, there's nowhere he can go this fall anyways. Do I expect him if, if this current dichotomy plays out that he won't be a part of this team next year? I 100% expect that, but he was voted a captain of this team. I think that he's the type of guy that will, will serve his duty. will do his duty to the team. Uh, but Ryan being that you're the resident uh, former player here, uh, I guess, could you kind of expound on that and what you see happening? I mean, I, I don't think that he'd be hitting the transfer portal out of spite or, if he can't play somewhere else, he's not going to go anywhere else, at least for the remainder of this season. And I also think that he's one play away from being the starter again. And uh, it's not like we're in a position where we wouldn't want McNamara to play quarterback for Michigan football. He's a good Michigan football quarterback. He's proven that. He's very proven, maybe more than anyone who's ever not being considered a starter before. And uh I agree with you. Your proclamation, I think, is going to come true. There's going to be a time and place where McCarthy either got dinged up or is just, you know, not playing within his – playing his best game. And McNamara is going to need to come in and be the hero that we need. And everybody's going to love him again. And all will be good with the world. But um, I think that he's going to hang around, see it through the end of the season. And, you know, depending on how the season goes – 90% chance as of right now, he's gone at the end of the year. Yep. That's that's. And also to clarify, I saw a question in the comments about what his eligibility looks like. He has two years, like including this year. Uh, so really after this year, he would have one potentially two years of eligibility remaining. There was some, there's something out there where he could have as many as two years remaining after this year, but it's for sure one. So uh, if he's capable of playing elsewhere, he probably will uh, if it plays out like this the rest of the year. But I wouldn't expect him to go anywhere. Uh, this team loves him. I think he uh, – there might not be any love lost between he and J.J. McCarthy, but I think they respect each other enough to know that 
they'll do what's best for the team because th- these guys these guys burn to win. I don't think anyone's going to flinch or run away from this because something didn't go their way. After the season, we'll see. Uh, but that's that's what you do. That's what happens in big time college sports now. Uh, you know, eventually Jalen Hurts gave way to to a tag of Iloa. Cal- Kelly Bryant gave away to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, sometimes it just plays out that way. And, and there are 130 FBS teams. I think there's 131 actually. And I think Cade McNamara could start for darn near all of them. So we'll see what happens with him. But uh, yeah, we'll go to the next question here. Another one from Theodore Frazier, who's coming in rapid fire with us tonight. We'd love to see that. Uh, did the right side of the line play noticeably better or was the play a product of the opponent? I think they played better for the most part. Uh, everything, just everything was was more. Everyone just looked to snap slow last week. And Ryan was on the field. It was ninety degrees without being on the field. Probably another twenty, thirty degrees warmer down there. Everyone last week looked at least to start the game a step slow, maybe uh, just a bit sluggish. I don't know what really played into that, but yeah, I thought everything was snappier uh, on the offensive side of the ball in this game. I think so, and I think they. If I were to say what I thought Colorado State's defensive line front seven were compared to Hawaii's defensive line front center were uh, front seven were I, I think that Colorado State had a better front seven and presented more of a challenge. But you know, they one guy that stood out was their three technique that ended up with the two sacks on McNamara. But uh, for the most part, I thought we did a really good job blocking. I just thought we got a better push, better seal, better holes. I know Mike Hart challenges guys to make guys miss in the open field, break some tackles, and I thought they did that. Um, so uh, I think everybody on the offensive line and running backs, right side included, got a little more personal, got a little bit more done, and uh, uh, made a little bit more effort, and it showed up. I can't believe I didn't think to ask you this sooner, Ryan. Were you on – were you on the lightning, the, the team that had the lightning delay against Western Michigan, or was it the game was called early? Yeah. So, so uh, what do you remember about that? I remember we were playing really well, and it was a lot of defensive touchdowns, and I was trying to get involved in that. Uh, but unfortunately, we went in. So we went in for halftime. Everything was good. Came back out for third quarter played like maybe the first five, six minutes of the third quarter and then lightning delay. So they send us back up to the tunnels. My family said they like took everybody out of the stadium. And then I want to say like two hours went by and we were just like, this is terrible. We're up by, I think 40 and the refs came in and like kind of went with uh, coach Rodriguez at the time. Or was that Hoke? I think it was Hoke. Uh, But, and Basically, they came over and said, and even, yeah, it was Coach Oak, because said was like, well, I've never seen this before, but it seems like they're just going to get back on the buses and head home. So you can take your pads off. We won. <laughs> like, okay. <what? laughs> it's the third quarter. Uh, but it was just a very weird, very strange game. But at the same time, like, it's kind of like today, uh, you know, if they did have some kind of agreement, call the dogs off after halftime, is that really that big of a deal? This, these teams weren't going to compete with each other. Um, and I think both sides knew that. So it, it is what it is. And hopefully no one came out with any significant injuries and everybody's healthy to play the next week. Yeah. And if they're not healthy enough to play next week, there's nothing wrong with that because right. it's going to look a lot like the first two has. Uh, the, so there are two, there are two in the queue from Jeremy. I mean, this is last call for questions. If anyone has one, they want to get in. Probably have room for one or two more, but if not, we'll close out on these. Uh, this one's from Jeremy, who says, "Do you think Roman Wilson has turned into wide receiver one? Shows up every week. I don't know. I'll, let me just say this: a lot better showing tonight from Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson than last week. Uh, I think those guys were kind of on notice for again last week. A couple. Ronnie Bell had a drop again tonight, but uh, you know, responded. He was their leading receiver, six catches, 74 yards. Cornelius Johnson had two catches for 71 and a touchdown on that. Uh, what was before uh, his first catch was the 54 yarder. That was just, I mean, I know it's Hawaii, but it was a ball that I, a, a play that I thought was fairly well covered. And JJ put it exactly where it needed to be. Um, that might have been where that, that might have been everything that came before that was 
was pretty, but that might've been the moment where you're like, all right, I think we can probably call this done and over with, but uh, you know, of that top three, Roman Wilson is, is the guy that, you know, if you're going to be an offense, that's more explosive with JJ McCarthy. That's your guy that can take the top off of defense. And all of a sudden, when you have a guy that can do that, that opens up the intermediate stuff, which I think is where Ronnie Bell can feast, where Cornelius Johnson can feast. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's a number one, but I think that he, if he keeps playing like he is, I mean, that is a guy who adds a consistent deep threat to your offensive attack. I think so. And I think that you know, there was just this interesting dynamic to our Michigan offense that it was, it existed last year too, that, it benefits us to spread the ball around because of the athletes that we have and what they can do with the ball. And Roman Wilson is to me, reminds me of when I played Mario Manningham, just this extra speed, double route, get behind you type guy. And even though Mario Manningham was awesome, I don't know if I would have called him receiver one because we had Adrian Arrington and you know, there's uh, so when you say wide receiver, number one, I think Braylon Edwards, you know, clutch time, got to throw it to somebody. And I don't know if that's necessarily how I would describe Roman Wilson. Uh, he's a guy that has definitely made the case that, hey, he needs to get five, seven, nine touches a game because he might do something special with it. But I think Ronnie Bell's right there. I think Andrell Anthony, uh, I know we haven't seen much of him yet, but I think as soon as he gets opportunities, because you haven't seen him throw it his way, um, but as soon as he gets opportunities, he's going to do well. Uh, so we've got – this blessing of all these options. And uh, I'm very happy with where he's panned out to be and think we can continue to find ways to use him. But as far as wide receiver one, I just think he's a wide receiver that we got to be involved with or get involved with the game every game. Yeah. He's been your best wide receiver through two weeks, at least mm-hmm. from a consistency mm-hmm. standpoint, but there's a lot of football left to be played. Um so uh, I'll do this just – we don't have to bring it up, but Jam- Jeremy also said – this is just a quick hitter. Uh, did it look like Hawaii was worried about the run compared to Cade where they put their ears back and went straight pressure? In a nutshell, yes. I think that's just the difference in what J.J. brings to the offense. So, uh, Jeremy, thank you for the great questions this evening. Uh, we're going to go now to Matt McLean. We'll do a question from Zade after that, and then we will wrap things up. So Matt McLean asks, who is your defensive MB- MVP through two games? Junior Colson's up there. He's just so consistent um, and, and just always is making the plays that he's supposed to make. And our defense is running smoothly. I think a lot in part to what he knows and how we can get the team organized. And, and uh, I think that he's been playing really well. I think today and Jamon Green, who we've all had questions about, got tested a little bit and played really, really well. Not enough to be the MVP, but played well. Um so, yeah, I would say for right now, I'll stick there. But I, I think that we've got a lot of talent on defense that, not in a bad way, but was overshadowed by how good Hutchinson and Ojaba were last year. I think we've got a lot of guys that are just like Junior Colson that are going to make an impact. And, you know, not only are they starters and contributors on Michigan, but would be the same way at a lot of other schools like uh, – we're not, we're not to where Georgia is yet or was last year on defense, but we are talented and seemingly deep, and that's really exciting because when's the last time you get to say that about Michigan football? Yeah, they're coming at you in waves right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Harrell, a guy who had seven pressures last week. Uh, he had at least one or two tonight. I'll be interested in seeing how uh, pro football focus charts what he's done, but that's a guy, anyone who's followed our content throughout the off season, that's a guy I've been high on because last year I thought he did a really good job in, uh, you know, you come in, the, you come in for David Ojabo, you set the edge, you play and run support. Uh, you know, I think he plays pretty well in coverage and then you had a pass rush to that. And all of a sudden you do all those things consistently and you're, I mean, you're a top two or three player on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, really impressed with what he's brought to the table so far. And if he keeps that up, I mean, he is uh, – that's an invaluable piece on Michigan's defense. So still think the pass rush can come at you in waves, but right now I think he's been the best, most consistent guy through two weeks. So uh, we'll go to one more from Zade and then call it a night. It is 1.37 a.m. local time. God, that one hour, uh, it just set everything back. So 
Uh, Zade, uh, do you think JJ can produce NFL receivers out of Michigan? Something this team has lacked over the last decade. It's a little premature to say that. I mean, I think they have NFL caliber guys in like Ronnie and Cornelius. And, and again, Roman Wilson keeps this up. He's a guy. I like the young players that they have, but uh, I will stop short of saying NFL receivers. Cause it's so hard to get those guys there. And Michigan hasn't put a ton of top flight guys out there in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And that's something that needs to change. I think can change. Uh, if you keep throwing quarterbacks out there that have these special skill sets, uh, the one thing I'll say about JJ is I think that having a guy like that at quarterback can do wonders for realizing the potential of what your wide receiver room can be. So I don't know if there's a first round NFL receiver on this team. I don't know if there's a fourth or fifth round receiver on this team, but I think when you have a guy like that, who is special, I mean, he is, we we can see it. Um, It, it will go a long way in maxing out the potential of whoever emerges in that room. I think so too. And I guess my answer is yes, I do think JJ can uh, provide enough, enough balls and opportunities for receivers to go make these plays, but JJ doesn't make these receivers NFL prospects. These receivers are who make them prospects. So they're going to have to go out there and win day in, day out and not against Hawaii and not against Colorado state, but against Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and that's where we're going to see how good are these receivers because um, I think that there's probably a lot of receivers in Division One college football that would have good games if they were targeted against a Hawaii, but um, when the talent steps up, can you separate yourself? And I think a lot of these guys are going to be challenged with that, unfortunately not till October, but and then we'll see where the kind of chips fall. Yeah, I think that's a good place to sort of wrap it up here. Uh, Michigan will get UConn next week. That's going to be a noon game on ABC. So uh, a little bit Big Ten Network's not hard to find at this point. It's been around for 15 years. But ABC, everyone should be able to get to that next week. Uh, It will be another J.J. McCarthy start. And this week's start, 56-10 final over Hawaii. Uh, Didn't cover the big spread, but Vegas knows. It opened at 46. Michigan won by 46. It's Those people are sickos out there. So – uh, appreciate everyone for hopping in. Uh, Ryan Van Bergen, as always, we appreciate having you on. Thanks to everyone who, I mean, at one point we were at 450 live viewers at 1.30 in the morning. That is just insane. You guys are uh, you guys are the best, and these will only get better as the games get a little more competitive. Probably a little more stressful for us here in the aftermath, but so far so good. A couple laughers. So uh, we appreciate you guys for watching. Appreciate producer Hutch behind the scenes. Uh, Leave a like on this video. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, Thanks again to Lewis Jewelers for their phenomenal sponsorship of our podcast and of our outlet. I'm Anthony Broom. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.